Let's get into it. The Bible tells this true story in John chapter 20, and it starts like this. It was Sunday morning. The, the sun was not yet fully risen in the sky, and, and Mary Magdalene, she, she was at Jesus' tomb. But as she arrived at Jesus' tomb, she noticed something that was a little bit um, peculiar, and it was that the stone that was once covering the, the entrance to the tomb was gone. She looked around, she realized this is not normal, so she ran and she told Peter and John, and she said, hey, we need to go to the tomb. The stone's gone. I don't know what's happened. So Peter and John begin to, to run to the tomb, and, and John notes he got there first, but he did not enter the tomb. Peter comes shortly behind him. Peter goes into the tomb, and then John follows Peter into the tomb, and sure enough, Jesus' body is gone. The linen that was covering Jesus' body is still there. John makes note that the, the piece of fabric that was on Jesus' face is also still there, but it's folded up and it's placed nicely by itself. But Jesus' body is gone. Even though they did not fully understand the significance of that moment, John makes note that they believed. And that's the beginning of the resurrection story. That's the true story that we get to celebrate this morning. And we're going to just pray and ask God to speak to us through his word. Father, we are, are grateful this morning. We're grateful that we come as, as people who, um, who have hope. We have hope in, in a risen Jesus. And as we slow down this morning and, and consider, Jesus, your, your work, as we consider you... Um, in pursuit of your people, I pray that you would open up our hearts and that you would speak to each and every one of us, God. Use my, my mouth to proclaim your truth, and I pray that each of us would, would leave this place more in love with Jesus than we came in. Lord, would we respond in faith to you this morning? I pray in your name, Jesus. Amen. If I asked you, like, what are your, your main pursuits in life, I wonder what your response would be. I know many of you are, are entrepreneurs at heart, right? You are um, people who are familiar with starting new business ventures, whether that's a, a new company, a new restaurant, a new studio, a new church. You guys, you guys know the, the work that it takes to, to pursue a dream, the intentionality that it requires to make those dreams reality. If you're trying to start something new, you're, you're pursuing it, you're, you're spending time identifying who is our intended audience. You discuss with your potential customers what, what are the needs, what would you like to see from us. You do cost analysis, you work on budgets, you figure out what do we need to do in order to, to break even and then to make a profit. You know what it's like to pursue a dream. And in the beginning of John chapter 20, we see that, that the people are are, are not just pursuing a dream, but rather Mary and Peter and John are in pursuit of Jesus. Mary goes to that tomb because she wants to honor the body of Jesus. But then when she realizes that, that the stone is gone and she goes and grabs Peter and John, we see that Peter and John end up pursuing Jesus too. They go to investigate. They're trying to figure out what happened to the body of Jesus. These three individuals are pursuing Jesus because they love him. 
He had been so good to them. He had been so loving towards them. He had forgiven their sins. He had perfectly represented God the Father to them. He had taught them and and fed them, encouraged them. And and they're pursuing him because they want to honor him. But in this powerful turn of events, we're going to see that actually Jesus is alive. They're never going to find his dead body. And yeah, they think that they're pursuing Jesus, but we're going to learn that Jesus is actually going to pursue them. Jesus is in pursuit of them. And so it's in Jesus' pursuit of these individuals today that I hope all of us see that Jesus is pursuing you too. Just as you know how to pursue a dream, Jesus knows how to pursue you. Jesus knows what your needs are. And whether you're coming into this room and you're like brokenhearted or you're fearful or perhaps you're, you're full of doubt this morning, Jesus is coming into this room in pursuit of you. He wants your heart. He wants you to trust in him. So consider Jesus' risen pursuit, the risen Jesus' pursuit of you today. After Peter and John arrive at Jesus' tomb and confirm, yeah, his body's not here. They tell Mary, Mary, Jesus' body is gone and Mary begins to weep. She's weeping because she has no idea what has happened to him. And we're going to join the story in John 20, starting in verse 12. It says that Mary saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had lain, one at his head and one at the feet. They said to her, woman, why are you weeping? And she said to them, they have taken away my Lord and I do not know where they have laid him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, woman, why are you weeping? Whom are you seeking? Supposing him to be the gardener, she asked him, sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him and I will take him away. So twice here, Mary is asked, Mary, why are you weeping? You can imagine the heartbreak that she's experiencing, the one who had forgiven all of her sins, the one who had given her a new identity as as a child of God, who had given her hope, the one who had ministered so personally to her heart, the one that she had followed for three years is dead. But then to to add insult to injury, also his body is missing. She's so heartbroken that that she's she's weeping and and she doesn't even realize that the man who's talking to her is Jesus. She thinks, oh, maybe maybe it's the gardener. It's just some, some guy. But all of that changes in a moment. Look at verse 16. Jesus said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Aramaic, Rabboni, which means teacher. See, Mary is thinking, this is just another guy. He's asking me, why am I crying? But that changes the moment that Jesus calls her name. She's like, oh, oh, I recognize that voice. I recognize that call. In an instant, she knows that's Jesus. And if Jesus is talking to me, then that means that Jesus is alive. Write this down. If you're taking notes, Jesus calls the brokenhearted by name. He calls the brokenhearted by name. Um, 
the birth of our son, who many of you have met, he's about 10 weeks old. It was a, a chaotic experience, to say the least. Um, I won't go into the details, but it ended with an emergency surgery, and he was um, resuscitated. So, while all of that was going on, while all of the, the chaos was going on, I was sitting outside of the operating room just waiting, waiting for permission to, to go in. And for the first 30 minutes of his life outside of his, his mother's womb, um, the only voices he heard were the voices of doctors and nurses. They were, they were working on him, they were talking, but these were all voices that he had never heard before. And although obviously he can't express with words what he was feeling, he was probably feeling pretty brokenhearted during those 30 minutes. Right? He's outside of his mother's womb, he's, he's in a completely new environment, and he's only hearing things that he doesn't recognize, and um, he's got these people working on him. But then finally I was invited into the room, and I saw him there, he was on the table, he was, he was crying, and I approached him and they said, okay, you can, you can now pick him up. And, and I picked him up, still crying, but then I said, hey Brooks. And in a moment, I kid you not, he calmed down. He was like, ah. and he, he stopped crying. And I was like, oh my goodness. Like, Jesus ministered to my heart in that moment. He continues to minister to my heart because it's like, that was the first voice that he heard that he recognized, and it calmed him down in an instant. And Jesus continues ministering to my heart as I, as I remember that because I realize, like, I'm like that child, right? I need my heart to be healed. I need Jesus to, to minister to my heart personally. I need Jesus to, to comfort me. I need him to call my name and to give me peace. I need to be held in Jesus's arms. And this interaction shows me that Jesus knows how to do that. Jesus knows how to, to call us by name. He, he knows how to meet us in our brokenness, and I don't know what you've come in here with today, but if your heart is broken, maybe your, your mourning loss, um, loss of uh, a loved one, loss of maybe your, your identity, you feel like you've, you've lost your, your value, um, I want to invite you to, to listen to Jesus right now, because Jesus has you here on purpose. He has you here for a reason, and perhaps he's calling your name, saying, hey, I see you. I know what you're going through. I know perhaps the weeping that you've been experiencing, but here I am. Jesus is near to the brokenhearted. The Bible declares that, that he comforts the crushed in spirit. So take your pain to him. Take your, your heartache to him. Know that, that he meets you in that place. He pursued Mary in her brokenness. And he's pursuing us. He's calling us by name. And he's offering us his comfort. So Mary receives that comfort. She's like, that is, that is Jesus. I know him. And then she is sent by Jesus to go and tell his disciples that she's alive. And that's exactly what she does. Her mourning has, has now turned to rejoicing. And she's going now and declaring to the disciples. She says, I have seen the Lord. And that he had said these things to her. But as Mary um, finds the disciples, the disciples are struggling. The disciples are filled with fear. Because Jesus has just been put to death. And so in their minds, if Jesus was killed, we 
are next. Right? Surely the authorities won't stop with Jesus. They'll also want to get rid of the people who were closest to him. And so they've decided, let's just lock ourselves in a room. Hopefully, hopefully the authorities can't get through the locked doors. Let's just hide in the room. But Jesus, we see, is not really bound by um, locked doors. He shows up in the room and he says, peace be with you. We're going to see that Jesus meets the fearful with his peace. You can imagine there were probably a lot of um, wide open mouths in that moment, right? Imagine we're in a locked room and some random person who wasn't really a random person, he's Jesus, shows up. You're like, oh, um, surprising. So Jesus greets them, hey, peace be with you. The disciples are standing there in, in shock and then Jesus just continues talking. Verse 21, when he had said this, He showed them his hands and his side. And then the disciples were glad when they saw the Lord. Jesus said to them again, peace be with you. As the Father has sent me, even so I am sending you. So it says, peace be with you. And then he says, look at my hands. Look at at the holes in my hands. He says, look at my side. I am who I'm claiming to be. Peace be with you. And it says that they are glad when they see the Lord. I wonder how many of us can identify at times with with these disciples in this room. We're filled with fear. See, their fear came from the concern that, that their death was imminent. They thought for sure. The Jewish authorities took out Jesus, were next. So they are fearful for their life. And we too experience fear. Our fear probably takes a different form. Maybe we're fearful of the economy collapsing and and losing our jobs. Perhaps we're fearful that um, someone that we love will get sick. Perhaps we're fearful for our safety in, in public places or in schools. Perhaps we're fearful of death. But instead of scolding the disciples for being fearful, Jesus just shows up. And he seeks to bring them peace with his presence. No wonder, what if Jesus wants you to know that that he can bring you peace with his presence too? See, when you feel like you're you're trapped in fear, I want to encourage you, look to Jesus. Because if you are a follower of Jesus, you have the spirit of God, which means you have the presence of God living in you wherever you go. So even though you may feel alone in your fear, as as if you are the only one who's trapped in that fear, you need to know that he is present with you and his presence can give you peace because his presence is is the presence of the very one who died and came back to life see Jesus he experienced so many things in his final few hours that make us fearful consider it Jesus was was rejected by basically everyone Jesus was publicly humiliated He was beaten, he was spit upon, he was sentenced to death, he was hung naked on a cross for anyone and everyone to look at and mock, he was abandoned by by God the Father for the sins of the world, and he died. So, rejection, um, abandonment, public shame, and death. Those are things that all of us can be fearful of, right? 
he experienced all of it, and he did it for us. See, because Jesus took all of this upon himself, you and I no longer have to live trapped in fear because we can live with the peace of God, knowing that our sin has been paid for. Our fear of death and eternity apart from God has been dealt with. Jesus took all of that upon himself. Now anyone who will turn from their sin and place their faith in Jesus will experience the peace of God because they will be at peace with God. See, that God meets us in our fear. And he doesn't just say, it'll be okay. No, he actually gives us himself. And it is his presence that is the source of peace. Look at verses 22 and 23. After he had said this, he breathed on them, and he said to them, receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive the sins of any, they are forgiven them, If you withhold forgiveness from any, it is withheld. See, the source of peace is God himself. Jesus shows up in that room. He tells them, peace be with you. But then he breathes on them and they receive the Holy Spirit. God's spirit is now living in them. That means God's presence is with them wherever they go. And Christian, that same spirit lives in you today. So when fear comes knocking, remember, the spirit of God is in me. God, meet me with your peace. Remember that that Jesus has power over all things, even death itself, and we can rest in his love and in his power. See, the disciples are are beginning to understand this. We're going to see that they're in a constant um, pattern of of growth in their understanding of these truths. But, But one of the disciples is not in the room that night, it's Thomas. See, Thomas was, was struggling. When Thomas hears that, that Jesus had risen from the dead, look at what he says, verse 25. Unless I see in his hands the mark of the nails and place my finger into the mark of the nails and place my hand into his side, I will never believe. Thomas is saying, I need to see to believe. I need to feel to believe. And so Jesus, in his kindness, he goes to Thomas. Verses 26 and 27. Eight days later, his disciples were inside again, and Thomas was with them. Although the doors were locked, Jesus came and he stood among them and he said, Peace be with you. Then he said to Thomas, Put your finger here and see my hands. And put out your hand and place it in my side. Do not disbelieve, but believe. See, Jesus invites the skeptic to see and to believe. Thomas said, I need two things in order to believe in Jesus. I need to to see his hand and, and touch the marks of the nails, and I need to put my hand in his side. And so Jesus says, hey, Thomas, look at my hand. Feel my hand. Put your hand in my side. And then he says, Thomas, don't disbelieve, but believe. Jesus has invited all of us to believe. He's invited me to believe. I've seen him invite many of you to believe. And we've, we've seen people respond in faith to Jesus's invitation to trust in him. We've seen firsthand evidence of God's power. 
We've seen, in this very church, we've seen God restore marriages. We've, we've seen sins that, that seemed like they were strongholds, like, like we could never get over them that the God has brought freedom from. We've seen people who, who felt like they had no value, no, no worth as an individual, now convinced that they have infinite value because they're created in the image of God and loved by him. People who once were, were terrified of life after death, now actually looking forward to the hope of spending eternity with Jesus. Those who, who come from, from broken homes saying, I want to build my family on Jesus. I want to raise my children to love and to follow Jesus. We could go on and on with testimony of what God has done. But I wonder, are you skeptical about Jesus? Perhaps you've had bad experiences in the past. Maybe you feel like um, I've been disappointed by him. Or maybe I've been disappointed by his followers. Maybe you're like, it's absolute nonsense that these people think that Jesus rose from the dead. Like that seems like absolute nonsense. And so you, you reject him completely. I want you to know, like, if any of those are describe you, it's not an accident that you're here. And I hope that you can see through Jesus' interaction with Thomas that Jesus is not scared of your doubts. He's actually pursuing you, just as he pursued Thomas. He's revealing himself to you right now and he's inviting you just like he invited Thomas. Do not disbelieve, but believe. But you have to make a decision, right? You, you either need to decide to trust in Jesus and to, to give your life to him or to reject him. There's, there's no middle ground. And Thomas, after seeing Jesus, after, after touching Jesus, he chooses, I'm gonna go all in with this. Jesus. In verse 28, he makes the most emphatic statement about Jesus' identity. He says, my Lord and my God. He sees Jesus as he is. He declares who Jesus is and he trusts in him completely. So I wonder, how do you respond when Jesus invites you? Do not disbelieve, but believe. Yes, you say, but, but Thomas physically saw Jesus. Thomas physically touched Jesus. He, he put his, his hands in, in Jesus' hands and he touched Jesus' side. And um, I can't do that. Like, I, I can't physically touch Jesus. That's true. But I think perhaps Jesus knew that that, that was going to be our, our thought because look at verse 29. He says, have you believed because you have seen me? Blessed are those who have not seen and yet have believed. So Jesus calls us blessed if we, even though we have not seen, have believed. What a powerful invitation for us this morning to receive the blessing of Jesus. To hear his invitation to see and believe. And church, ultimately that's our prayer for every single one of us today. That we, whether we have trusted in Jesus for years and years and years, or we're going to make that decision to trust in him for the first time now, the desire is that every single one of us would leave this place believing in Jesus. In fact, John says, that's the whole reason I wrote this gospel. That's the whole reason I wrote this account of Jesus' life. Look at verses 30 and 31. John writes, 
Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. So the very purpose of this book that we've been going through for months is for us to see Jesus, to believe that Jesus is who he says he is, and that by believing in him, we all may experience life in his name. So as we consider Jesus' resurrection, as we consider Jesus' pursuit of us, remembering and rejoicing in this truth that Jesus calls the brokenhearted by name, that, that Jesus meets the fearful with peace, and that Jesus invites the skeptic to see and to believe, I have two invitations for us. The first invitation is for those who love and, and follow Jesus. And that invitation is to rejoice in what we've heard and to look for opportunities to share that message with others. See, we rejoice with Mary that, that Jesus calls the brokenhearted by name because that means that he calls us by name. He's near in our pain. He's present in our difficulty. And we rejoice, but then we go and we share that truth with others. See, Jesus, had, Jesus comforted Mary. She experienced his comfort. And then Jesus said, okay, now go and tell others. Go and tell my brothers that I'm alive. And, and she did. And in the same way, we experience the presence of God. We, we experience his comfort in our brokenness. And then he sends us and he says, go. Go and share this message with others. And then when Jesus meets his fearful disciples with, with peace, again, they rejoice. They are glad when they see the Lord. In the same way, we rejoice when we experience the peace of the presence of God in our lives. But then Jesus sends his disciples out, and again, he says, go and tell. In the same way, we experience that peace, and then we go and tell, hey, there's a Savior who came and because of his work, we can have the peace of God and we share that message to a world who, who does not know Jesus. We are carriers of the spirit of God and we have a message of peace. We rejoice and we go. So Christian, follower of Jesus, let me invite you to allow your heart to rejoice in the abundant blessings that the risen Jesus gives us as his people. It's good to be a child of God. And then carry those blessings to the world around us that needs them. Second invitation would be for those who um, have not bowed the knee to Jesus. Perhaps your pain has, has kept you away from him. Maybe it's your fear. Perhaps it's your skepticism. But you've seen today that, that Jesus pursues us in all of those different places. And he wants to meet you right now. John says, I wrote this gospel. I'm telling you, I wrote this message so that you may believe. Believe that, that Jesus came from heaven to earth, that he lived a life without sin, that he died on the cross for your sin and mine, for the sins of the world, that he was buried that he rose from the dead, that he appeared to many, that he ascended into heaven, and that Jesus is coming back. I call you to believe in this Jesus, to give your life to him. 
because by believing you will have life in his name. He has done the work. He is the one who's pursuing you. He's pursuing you right now. He will forgive your sins. He will give you peace with God. He will give you hope that, that will never disappoint. He will fill you with his spirit. That is his invitation. But we must respond in faith. So I want to invite you as we, as we close, if you say, man, I've never made that decision, but I want to now. Would you just pray with me and express that to God? Let's pray. Jesus, I've heard you this morning. I've seen your pursuit of me. Lord, I see myself in this story and I see how much I need you. I know that my sin has separated me from you, but I have heard that you came and, and you paid for my sin by your death on the cross. So Jesus, I respond to you in faith this morning. I pray that you'd forgive me of my sins. I pray that you would fill me now with your Holy Spirit. That I may love you and, and walk with you all the days of my life. Thank you for comforting the brokenhearted. Thank you for, for giving your peace. Thank you for inviting me to see and believe. I declare now, Jesus, I believe in you. And Father, I pray for, for each and every one of us that this would be our response to you. Lord, that as we see your beauty, as we see your power, as we see your kindness and your pursuit of us, that we would believe. Jesus, choosing to, to trust you every day, that when we are fearful, that we would run to you. When we're skeptical, that we would run to you. When we're brokenhearted, that we would run to you. Jesus, knowing that you meet us with open arms and you've conquered it all, including death. So what a hope we have. Jesus, we're grateful to be yours. Use us to share this message with people in our lives who do not know you and receive all the glory, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen.